Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is John Lee. John, he's a software engineer. He works on his own apps. Uh, and he's also a really big guy into philosophy and just thoughtful conversation. We have a great conversation about just uh, how people find meaning and purpose in life and also our mental health crisis going on in our society. I think it was a very fruitful conversation. I hope you guys enjoy Check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, John Lee. All right. Welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. I'm here with John Lee. John, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me, Noor. Oh, this is going to be good. Um... You're a very thoughtful person, and you think about a lot of the same ideas I do. So that's why I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Um, maybe just uh, tell my audience a little bit about your background and also about your business. Uh, you have a business that you run for podcasters. That's kind of how I uh, came across you. But um, yeah, l- let my audience know a little bit about yourself to introduce yourself, please. Yeah, thanks. Um, so by day, I'm a software product manager. Uh, I work with developers. Uh, for different companies. I'm a consultant at the moment. And then on this little business, building mobile applications for podcasts. So that's how we connected. Um, one of my biggest hobbies, though, is thinking through philosophical questions. I love the kind of deep questions that I think you enjoy also. And I'm just excited to have a conversation and see where our, where our, yeah, our, our talk goes. No, I'm excited uh, as well. Uh, one thing you did mention, uh... I did see on your um, pro profile was uh, you were talking about the meaning crisis, which is something I've always been thinking about, especially, I don't know, just in our whole modern times, I, I always kind of felt like a lot of people in our society have lost meaning. Like we just don't like, there's no meaning in life and that can lead to a lot of bad places. Um, when it comes to the meaning crisis, do you kind of have an idea of like how you look at it? Like what mm-hmm. it, it really is at all? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's a phrase I've only heard recently, but I think it's like catching on. I'm sure it's been around for a while. In my head, when I hear the meaning crisis, I equate that with pretty much the mental health crisis. We hear that a lot too, right? Um, Things are getting worse, depression, anxiety, especially in younger people um, are just getting, it's skyrocketing since the 2000s. I don't have any specific stats off the top of my head, but I think it's, um, it's an understanding that our mental health is becoming a crisis yeah, in, in uh, the West, in modern societies. Uh, and I think a big part of that is the loss of a sense of meaning. So that's what I mean by the meaning crisis. And I, when I reached out to you, uh, one of the ideas I've been thinking about is, well, how can what might be a way out of the meaning crisis? What might solve it? And one of these ideas I've been having recently is, is the um, around the experience of beauty. So mm. we can get into that if you'd like. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, maybe you can expand on that a bit. 
Yeah, so I was thinking just recently, a couple of weeks ago, about um, I heard on a podcast about the experience of beauty. So when we experience a beautiful sunset, something in nature, uh, a piece of music, a piece of art, or even falling in love, right? And I think that last bit is maybe one of the most powerful experiences of beauty. Um, I came to understand that that experience is pretty unique. So that delight in in something beautiful is a delight in in something in that object um, as an end in itself. So that enjoyment of the object or that experience is uh, pointing to an enjoyment of that thing, not as a means to an end, but as an end in itself. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting thinking about that. And I've read and also feel that when a person is in that state of enjoying something for its own sake, people tend to experience meaning as well. They, they tend to think that in that moment that this experience is meaningful. It seems to be like two sides of the same coin. And extrapolating from that, they tend to feel in that moment that, well, there is meaning in the world. And then my life has meaning. So that it seems to be the experience of beauty coincides with this experience of meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and meaning is something I've been thinking about for a little while. In my, from my perspective, I think for the experience or the feeling of meaning to be more than a feeling, to be an action, for, it, for that feeling to be a fact, for it to be objectively true, it's got to be tied to an objective purpose. So that's a connection that I've, I've made thinking about stories. So okay. the example I think of is like in every story, in every good story, you've got a hero and the hero is going on a journey. They've got a purpose. The story must have a purpose for that hero. Mm-hmm. So if it's Bilbo, his purpose is to go to the Lonely Mountain, I think it's called. It's to slay the dragon, get the gold and bring it back to his village and share it with his community. So that's the arc of a, you know, every good story. Um, take away the purpose. And every experience that Bilbo has on the journey becomes meaningless. Mm. Put the purpose back in the story and every experience that Bilbo has, whether it's suffering or whether it's something fortunate, is meaningful toward that purpose. So that's just one example. But in my head, I think for our, our lives to have objective meaning, logically, I think it must tie to our lives also having having an having an objective purpose. A hundred percent. That's how I connected meaning to purpose. Um, and if I, if I could step it, uh, if I can go like loop back a little bit to that experience of being in love as one of the most powerful experiences of beauty, I'm a Christian. And from my perspective, it seems to me that God's love for me was a, was a very good foundation for other downstream benefits. So when I think about God's love for me, I realize that that's the source of my self-worth. So I thought of love in like a more abstract way. Like when we buy anything, we're buying it for a price. Um, and the price of whatever we buy reflects how much we want it. It's a, a function of our demand, which is also like kind of in, fu- in a fuzzy way. It's how much we love it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How much we love something determines the price of it. So in that sense, I was thinking, well, God's love for me, therefore, by analogy, determines my worth as a human being. Like my self-worth 
is defined by the degree to which God loves me. Okay, so there's the foundation for my self-worth. Um, God's love for me is also, I think, directional. So when I thought about love more, I was thinking, okay, I love people in my life. I love my son. And when I thought about that, I realized the love I have for my son is not just I want good things for him, but I want him to become a certain kind of person. It seems to be like built into uh, my love for my son. It's, I want him to become a certain kind of person, like a good person. I want him to be a, a mature, wise, healthy person. So there's that directionality baked into love. And I realized if that's the case, then God's love for me must also be directional and purposeful. He must have a purpose for me if he loves me. Okay. So that comes back to purpose. Yeah, um, yeah. So given God loves me, um, I have self-worth. My life has a purpose. And, and because my life has a purpose, every, my life is meaningful. Every experience I go through is meaningful toward that purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the way I tied those concepts together. Um, and maybe one more thing. Um, another idea that, that I connected recently is this, the idea that God is love. Um, and like going back to where we started, falling in love being um, one of the most powerful experiences of beauty and meaning. Um, if there is a God, he would be by definition the most beautiful entity being there is. And so the fact that in the Christian worldview, God is love kind of brings it all together in a nice way. It like ties a bow around it. Like God is the most beautiful because he's the source of love mm. in all reality. Like love is at the center of all reality. So that's in a jumbled way, ha, 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 an, an attempt to pull all those things together. I'd love your reaction to anything. Oh yeah, no, I, I really like that. And I do want to come back to the purpose idea because I do love that whole idea of like, the purpose kind of drives us and makes all of our uh, like all the, the different parts of the story meaningful which that's a perfect idea i really do like that um and let's get back into that but first i wanted to say about beauty um the way you were talking about beauty i really enjoyed that and i, I like how you have kind of like a christian point of view on it maybe um and I was even just kind of thinking like I'm more of like kind of like a spiritual guy these days and like just from the spirituality i kind of uh, got the exact same idea of like beauty as in like we tr in spirituality we're trying to talk about presence being presence and feeling that whole moment and being in the moment and that's where you can feel that meaningful uh it really brings meaning when you feel it feel the moment right i i love that and i've also thought about it even as a a scientist who might be more rational or atheistic they talk about having that awe-inspiring moment and that's what drives them and gives them meaning so i i do kind of like how you were talking about beauty and how getting into that moment and feeling can bring meaning into your life i i do love that can i can i just follow up on that so um i'm glad that you you kind of agree that the experience of beauty is tied to the experience of meaning and it can feel very meaningful when you're in that mindset or that mode um what do you think of the idea that, um, well, do you think meaning is just a subjective experience, just a feeling, or do you think it's actually more than a feeling? It's actually a fact that your life is meaningful. And, and what do you think about the connection I made to um, meaning being 
you know, if meaning were to be more than a feeling, if meaning were to be like a fact of the matter, a fact of reality, then it has to be tied to an objective purpose. Mm, yeah. Um, no, I, I know what you're saying. And I agree. I think meaning is more than just a feeling. I think it is like a fact. Um, that's like a very hard thing for an individual to uh, really grasp because I think when you do grasp at it, it requires a ton of faith because sometimes when that feeling fades, because we all go through ups and downs in life, so we can have very meaningful experiences. And then that experience, we're like, yes, this has meaning, life has meaning, I, this whole thing has meaning. But then when that experience fades, to be able to have that idea of like, hey, this has meaning still, requires like a tremendous amount of like strength or maybe even faith or whatever you want to call it because it's a very tough thing to do but I, I do think um I, I do think meaning is a fact like I really do um what was the second part of that question I can't remember or, well, so yeah I'll just just riffing on that so I completely agree with you like our feelings go up and down right mm -hmm. so if since you believe that um, the meaning of of our lives is a fact of reality it's not just a feeling. How do you anchor that, or where do you anchor that belief that your life is meaningful, that my life is meaningful? Even if I, you know today I don't feel like I'm doing anything meaningful or my life is very meaningful in the moment when your like, emotions are kind of low in that sense, how do you anchor the belief that uh, my life matters and mm -hmm. what I do matters? For me, it's... Uh it is through experience. So I, I like in the morning, I always write, that's been something that's been a very good anchor for me, because when I do go through the ups and downs, I can write uh, my morning pages, that's what I call it. And I can get that out on there. And usually that gets me back on track. So it gets me pointed to whatever direction I go on, when I get off of that direction. And also uh, like a kind of meditation or breathing exercises is something that also helps me get back to that feeling where I can be like, okay, like get back to that meaning because that you're right. Like um, it, it, that, and like, I'm not saying it's an easy thing because when, when you do get off the track of meaning, and especially with me, like the, these, these lockdowns have been really hard for me because I'm a comedian. So like a lot of my life is like performing and uh, getting my life, you know, that's my life. And like, even in Canada, we just like, restrictions canceled all my freaking January shows. So like it, it has been like a kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it has been kind of like uh, once in a while, like my, I feel like I'm just don't have any direction or anything because all of my plans get canceled, but that's where my writing and my spiritual practices can kind of get me back in line and keep me a little bit more centered and remembering. And uh, it's, whenever I say you have that feeling where you're just like, this is so meaningful when you're in those most powerful experiences of like, this is meaning right here, life has meaning. And when you get out of that, it's all about kind of having that remembering of that feeling and finding a way to bring that, that memory back into the present moment. Thank you for that. Yeah. As you're speaking, I heard phrases like uh, when I'm off track, right. And mm -hmm. like in the, in the beginning you were writing in the mornings, you write to remind yourself of your, uh, I would think like life goals, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know where this is going to go. I'm just, I'm just talking out loud. Do you think those life goals are like, what makes those life goals 
um, or sorry, is it enough for those life goals just to be, um, let me back up. Okay. Yep. Do you think you decided on those life goals or were those life goals given to you in a sense? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I, the one thing with life goals, and I think about this a lot, because one part of my life goals has always been given from society, culture, ego, you know, because especially as a comedian, a part of them, like some of them might be like, oh, I want to get successful so I have money and I can get women and all that stuff. That was kind of part of it. But then there's also the other part of my life goals, which was going and doing a lot of deep diving into myself and really asking, like, who am I? What do I want to do? Like, what is the meaning? I'm uh, what? Why am I here? And like, what am I? So like, and it's really asking, like, what are my skills? What are my gifts? And like, how can I give that back to the people? So that's kind of where this podcast came from. That's kind of the direction my comedy is going in. So, yeah, I think the life goals came from searching, which if you're saying were those given to me, yeah, like whatever, if you are your natural gifts given to you, you have to kind of think that or you can say it's luck. I'm definitely on the mean uh, on the side of it's given to me or whatever, because I, I do believe in like that kind of purpose and meaning or kind of inherent kind of thing. So I, I do think it, and I, re I think it requires searching. And that's why I was saying it requires that constant paying attention to because the ego part of my goals can sometimes take over more than like the actual like self-searching part of my goals that I think are a little bit more inherent and also help out people around me a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like as you're speaking, I'm thinking, yeah, it's a common, <clears throat> it's a combination, right? Mm -hmm. It's a self-discovery process. Um, but it's, it's the interaction between myself and my environment. Um, to come to a set of goals or, or one like primary goal that we're living toward. I think, yeah, it's, people can't live without that. People uh, need a goal. Uh, and even if it's like the wrong goal for the time being, if you don't have a goal, you tend to, I think you just fall into depression. You fall into a sense of meaninglessness because like we said before, without a purpose, the default, I think mindset is, meaningless everything mm -hmm. is meaningless so i feel like um people maybe it's a survival mechanism maybe it's you know evolutionarily bred into us but we can't live for long without a goal um, it especially in our society where like i think we like we created a society where we can live long without a goal because we just get wrapped up in all of the our different addictions whether it's actual substances or whether it's like our television or computers and all of these stuff like man, which like all of these things like i'm pro and i'm probably like i'm for them and against them i'm like you have to kind of understand the good and bad of all of these things but um i, I think we created a culture where you can have no purpose or meaning and you can survive like for a long time i, I yeah. like i really do think that I completely agree. I think people can distract themselves for a long time, especially I think the first half of life, um, you know, a lot of young people into their thirties even can live lives on autopilot, going after goal after goal and being going from one distraction to another distraction. But you know, I'm close to 40 now and I'm thinking, I think things change in midlife. I feel like things change around 
you know, in, in the late thirties where distractions maybe don't work anymore. They, they stop working. And mm. I feel like at this point, the body also starts to uh, be less forgiving. So when you're younger, your body is very forgiving. It'll heal very quickly. You can eat whatever you like. You can sleep however you like, and it'll, you know, rebound pretty, pretty well. But after the mid, after the midpoint, I think um, your body and also the mind starts to reveal its vulnerabilities and like reveals the cracks in its foundations. Mm. Uh, it's less forgiving. So I think start to kind of deteriorate very quickly unless I can identify what those cracks are very quickly and start to patch them like right away. So I have a sense like I don't have no data around this, but I have a sense like after the midpoint, um, people start developing anxiety and start developing depression who weren't anxious or, de or depressed before. Um, and obviously physically um, things start to break down you know, can start to break down very quickly if the habits weren't there in the first half of life, like in terms of eating and exercising, I think health problems can start to like come really quickly, like one after mm -hmm. the other also. I've noticed that. And so like um, in this period, I'm noticing when things start to stop working, I've got to like uh, wake up and pay attention to why, why are things breaking down and identify those cracks as quickly as possible and start patching them or else I, I feel like things start to crumble a lot faster after this midpoint. So I don't know if you're in that stage as well and you, you've noticed that, but. A hundred percent. I'm 35 now and I've definitely noticed uh, the, like how you were saying, like the crumbling a little bit more, <laughs> but like, you know, like uh, I, uh, like I got a little bit of like more anxiety, like, um, these days when i get off a track and stuff like that and i can i can feel it and um yeah like i i i can feel the tick in the time a little bit more and like even 35 is young like it's young still like i i've, I've met many people who are older than me and they look at you like a kid still mm -hmm. like um but you do start realizing your choices have a lot more impact and you can't just you can't get away with mistakes anymore or like you know, uh, you, you, you can't get away from consequences anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It can't keep carrying on the way I've been carrying on, even like in little things like eating and sleeping. Like I've, I've found I have to be flexible and I have to experiment with how I'm eating and even how I'm sleeping, how I'm exercising in order to get my body to work for me like it did naturally, you know, 10 years ago or 20 mm -hmm. years ago. So there's, it takes a lot more mental work and and like um experimentation to like yeah, figure things out uh, which is and, exciting but, yeah. and that's like uh that is like kind of uh digging into yourself like to get that kind of work you're increasing your awareness like you're becoming more aware of like how you eat how you sleep how you live and that's a whole part of growing and like i know like even like in a lot of religions and in a lot of spiritual growth kind of philosophies it's all about like if you're on that movement to increase in your awareness, to becoming more aware and um, present, like you'll always like, that's always a progressive movement and that's always good. That's why, why we're here. That might be come back to purpose or meaning or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like that, I think is that progressive movement. I, uh, 
I, I, I know Jesus said this too, because I know you're Christian. Uh, I can't remember the exact words, but his whole thing is like, if you're on that movement, that's better. Like it's better to be like uh, somebody at the bottom who's on that movement to being somebody at the top who's just kind of stale and not moving anywhere. Cause like mm-hmm. it's all, the whole movement is about increasing your awareness and uh, becoming more present, becoming more in this world and uh, are coming to your highest aspirations, whatever that is. Yeah. It's funny. As you were speaking, I was in my head, I saw a graph like, um, so there's like, if wisdom, you start with, you start at zero when you're young, right? Mm-hmm. As you get older, the curve of wisdom needs to go up um, because, you know, when you, when you start young, physically and mentally, maybe you're like hundred percent, that's going to start coming down and maybe they cross at like midlife. And mm. unless your wisdom continues to increase in order to compensate for um, physically, you know, you're physically declining and, and mentally declining um, and maybe dealing with the consequences of uh, previous experiences, past experiences as a young person, trauma, maybe the wisdom as that increases is the, it compensates for all these more difficult things are, that are happening after I think midlife. So it's, it's kind of beautiful in that sense. Like the older, um, hopefully as the older we get, the wiser we're becoming. And that's helping us navigate and manage the changes in our body and our minds and um, that we're experiencing in the second half of life. Yeah. And uh, I honestly, I, I think that's like one thing. Uh, that's one reason I love doing this podcast and talking about this is because like, I think a lot of my audience is between like 20 and 50, like in that age range. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's like, at any age like these kind of ideas of this like trying to understand yourself and like live your life properly and kind of transform and like become like I think that's that's something that will kind of help us out of these this kind of whole crisis which is like it's it's big but you know whatever like that's uh, most of our problems are big but uh, we could kind of figure about uh, when we kind of talk and like I think it's like conversation and talking about these things can really really help out. Has there been anything on your mind recently? Anything um, like philosophical in particular you've been thinking about? Well, I think one of my biggest questions has always been about like purpose. Like um, we were talking about um, how having that, like in the story you were saying, like how having that purpose at the end, like go get go to the mountain, get the gold, whatever. It gives the rest of that uh, um, your the story meaning. Uh, I was kind of wondering like. Um, what, how do you look at purpose and like trying to find that in your own life? Yeah. So um, again, I think this is where my worldview kind of helps me because it structurally um, it gives me a purpose. So God is my creator. He loves me. And therefore the purpose comes out of his, the fact that he made me and he loves me. Okay. So he's, I may not know the exact purposes. I don't think it's one thing that he wants, you know, out of my life, but uh, I'm sure um, whether I know them or not, my worldview provides like a scaffolding for mm. uh, my belief that my life does have purposes, that God has purposes for me. And like on the micro scale, I think it's very simple. He gives us, you know, Jesus says, gives us two commands, love God, love your neighbor. So love the people in your life to the best of your ability is certainly one of the purposes of my life. 
And um, I think to the, to the degree that I'm doing that, um, so to the degree I'm pursuing my purpose, I will feel that my life is meaningful. And I think those things go hand in hand, knowing your purpose. And as you feel yourself progressing in that purpose or toward that purpose, the feeling of meaning seems to be a signal to how well you're progressing toward that purpose. Uh, so all that uh, I think kind of works together. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I think maybe if I were to push back a little bit um, uh, on you, like, so you believe that your life has a purpose and you've come to that conclusion based on your, your talents, your natural gifts, um, as well as external influences on your life. You've come to a particular purpose um, or understanding of what the purpose of your life is. But um, do you have a sense of that purpose being like more than just something you've decided for yourself? I don't even know how to like explain it, but coming from something greater is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, you know, like uh, in a book, there's an author, the author writes the story and writes in the purpose for the character. Um, do you, do you have a, a sense of whether the purpose of your life is also that kind of a thing? Yeah, no, I do. Um, and it's something I've uh, definitely struggled with on that sense. Um, like, uh, have, have you ever heard of ayahuasca? I think so. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's like psychedelic, right? Yeah, it's like a plant medicine. So I, I work with this usually like once every year, but it's something that really kind of brings you to yourself. Um, but like the one I had recently, I, I did it in December, which is my first time doing it in a couple of years, but it was very powerful. But that was one of the kind of main messages like of it or, or a big message of it was like really like you have to you have to have that the ideal of something higher than you, something greater than you, because like I, I do get lost in that sometimes because when your purpose doesn't have that higher ideal, sometimes it does um it does start to lose that meaning and mm -hmm. like then the the mean like the actual meaning of like doing the everyday thing starts to go stale and mm -hmm. it doesn't um doesn't give you what you want anymore and like you know and then all of a sudden stuff starts to wither and it doesn't have that spark that it used to have so like that is something i really um I, I do try to bring in a little bit more of like just kind of reminded myself that this is something bigger than me and um and like how you how you were saying like God is love. That's kind of the way I just kind of think about it in my own self. Is like mm -hmm. no whatever that is. It's like the kind of source of like everything comes out of that. So you know, and like that's why. Uh, and I'm not going to say I'm great at this. And like maybe because uh, I do have struggles where I don't like I can go a couple weeks with not even <laughs> thinking about like anything higher than me. But um, that is something I, I do try to like think about a lot because that does, it does give energy to the rest of my life. And it does give more meaning to everything that I do when I think about it like that. Right. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like that ayahuasca experience in December was very powerful, powerful for you. Do you mind if I ask you more about that experience? Cause I've never had that kind of experience. What was it? What was it like? What happened? Uh, like uh, I'll, go into it a little bit I did one of my episodes was like completely on that experience so like I, I uh just for my listeners I don't want to uh, go completely but um when you do ayahuasca it, it is a psychedelic so like every experience can be very different like mm. but this one was a it it really went into me and was showing me my anxieties and fears and like 
why uh, why they're happening. And it was linking it to actual memories in my life and like uh, stuff that I'm dealing with. And it was showing me how these things drive each other. And um, and then, yeah, and then it really did show me like you like it, it showed me about my faith and it was telling me like you believe in more like you believe like there's something after this and like you have to have conviction in your belief. Like one thing I've been doing ayahuasca for about six, seven years now. And I do it like once a year for the most part. And uh, yeah, when you, uh, when you, one thing that's always been a theme is conviction, like have conviction in your stuff. So like when you're talking about believing in something more, you have to have conviction in my, in that. Cause like, if you don't have conviction that will wither and fade away eventually when, especially when, when tough times come. So that was one thing it really did drill into me is to like, keep having more conviction mm -hmm. and um especially about like there being something bigger than you that's uh yeah. that you can get your purpose and meaning from that's amazing it, i'm hearing from you that um, ayahuasca seems to be like a door into remembering reality the way it is like it seems to be for you like when you take <clears throat> this medicine it's almost like a guide appears that reminds you of um, maybe the state of your inside, your mental state, and like reminds you and point you to the connections with your past, but also again, like just shows you the fact that there is a higher purpose. There is a, a higher dimension and um, you come out of it with a renewed conviction of that fact. Like reality is not just what I can see here and touch. Reality is more than just the material universe that I can I interact with. Um, and I think you also said part of that like, realization is that that reality has love tied into it as well. Like there is love um, that is like ultimate reality seems to be related to love, mm -hmm. which completely ties into what I believe. I think like oh, God is love. God is the creator of the universe. And therefore love is at the center of all reality, which kind of makes sense to me because at the end of life, every single human, as far as I know, what we care about when we die is how well did we love the people in our lives? So that's the only thing that matters really. It doesn't matter how much, you know, what business you've built or how much success you've achieved or how much money you've made. It's at the end of the day, on the, uh, at the end of my life, I know what's gonna matter to me most is, was I, was I a good husband? Was I a good father? Was I a good son? Was I a good friend? Like that's, that makes sense to me if it's true that at the center of reality is love. Um, rather than something else like uh, success or performance or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think what came to mind as you were speaking, though, was, um, yeah, I can see how it would be difficult, though, to hold on to that, like, memory, because it's just, it's an experience you have when you're um, under the influence of ayahuasca. Like, you can see it when you're mm -hmm. in that state, but you don't see it when you're not in that state. And... There isn't like a mental framework from what I can hear from you that kind of anchors that vision. So you have a vision, but is there like a, a framework or a worldview that that vision fits into? Have you uh, that's actually a great question. Um, well, for me, it's like the spiritual practice that helps me get back to that remembrance. 
because and the more I've done ayahuasca, the more I've understood that how I need to have some sort of spiritual practice afterwards to anchor that and bring back that remembering because it's all about kind of bringing back that feeling that really it just energizes your whole being so that's kind of uh that's kind of one thing but like how you were talking about how a world view and that's such a great uh great thing to mention because i think that is a lot of people say that's the reason we have this kind of meaning crisis and purposelessness in in our society is because like a lot of philosophers would say this, we lost our religion. So like, we don't have any kind of religion anymore. And because of that, that was something that was anchoring us as a society. And now we're just kind of loose. And um, now like, kind of like, in my own spiritual practices, kind of understanding that believing in something a little bit higher than us, it can be so powerful and like we're even seeing in science now they they show like the power of faith and belief like leads to better happiness or better outcomes and stuff so like there is something powerful there but I also don't see religion making any kind of comeback in my opinion like uh I I come from a Muslim background and uh yeah I, I know I know like western society and like I know all my friends who even come from Christianity. There's not very many of them who are even part of that anymore. And like, even as as a Muslim, all my young Muslim friends, like a lot of them, they'll just call themselves Muslim just because whatever, but they're not really, there's no following of the religion. There's no anchoring or any of that kind of stuff. Um, What do you kind of see as like society as a whole for like, just the whole idea of believing in something more like, can that, uh, is that going to make a comeback? Do you think, or what? Do, how do you look at that? Um, so, from my limited understanding of like um, history, I know like countries have gone up and down um, in terms of faith, and so like there are revivals. Like these things can happen. There were like big revivals in the past. I think in the eighteen hundreds and um, the Great Awakening in in, the, in England that kind of came over to the U.S., where a large proportion of the population converted. So I think that can happen in the West, but I think you're right. For the most part, um, the West is in a post-Christian or post-religious like state. But from what I hear, other parts of the world are really, like religion is booming in other parts of the world. Like I think in China and Africa and South America, Christianity especially is growing at like unprecedented rates. Really? I don't know that. Uh, I think there are more, yeah, I mean, I think especially in China, um, Christianity in China? Yeah, you might want to Google it. I haven't Googled it recently, but I think, yeah, it's like, it's the fastest growing, it's growing faster in China than than ever. Like Christianity has ever grown. Mm -hmm. So in other parts of the world, yeah, religion is still really, really important and and growing very rapidly. Um, And it may be the case, eventually it kind of loops back around and, and, folks from those countries come to you know re-evangelize the west and bring religion back to uh the west modern societies where we're all medicated and anxious and depressed because we've lost our anchoring mm-hmm. um, that may be something that happens in the future but, yeah yeah no i i i know what you're saying and i i think like this whole mental health crisis is going to be something that brings a lot of transformation um 
I, I like to talk to people who are like, uh, like if you look at like indigenous like wisdom and like a lot of the ways like they looked at mental health, that's how they kind of saw mental health as a signal for transformation, a signal inside of you, like your anxiety or depression is a signal to tell you that some change needs to be made or something needs to be paid attention to. And uh, I, I do think that like this whole mental health crisis in all of society kind of is a big signal that something is uh, needs to be paid attention to and some sort of transformation will eventually happen. That and as a society, that's a big long-term kind of transformation that sometimes you can't even see until like the transformations happened, right? Yeah, I feel like even I have a very bad understanding of the state of affairs right now. I think probably the state of affairs in terms of our mental health is a lot worse than I, I even think, because I haven't looked into it. Like I haven't looked into the numbers. Um, well, just the other day, the one thing I did do was um, I Googled like how many, what is the um, first, like what is the death rate by age group? So I, I, I did that just to compare with you know, the death rate from COVID by age group, just out of my own curiosity, mm -hmm. wanted to compare those graphs. And then I went over to like, what is the suicide rate per death per age group? And I looked at those numbers and I compared it with COVID. And I was like, huh, it looks like if you're under 65, you're way more likely to die from suicide than from COVID, just from the graphs I was looking at. And I was mm. like, I wonder like, gosh, all the attention we have on COVID it's like disproportionate to maybe the attention that should be given towards suicide because just numbers, it looked like, um, yeah, um, I, I forget the exact numbers. I think if under 65, maybe around, it was like under 20, maybe around 20 people per 100,000 were dying from COVID. Um, and then I think for the under 65s in terms of suicide, I think it was like 40. Yes. It was a number that was, it was, uh, you know, it was bigger than the number that were dying from COVID, um, that were dying from suicide. So, yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's, it's, it's a real problem. No, that's a, it's a huge problem. I lost uh, two of my friends in the last few years to suicide and I just know the, I know what it is and like, I know the whole kind of rabbit hole or just like the hole that you end up going down into and, uh, like I said, our society is so good at being able to isolate each other because if, if you go into a depression or you start feeling anxious, it's so easy just to stay at home and start watching television or start doing like being on the computer, playing video games or whatever, just isolate yourself from the rest of society. It's so easy to do that. And like now with like COVID, it like <laughs> it's been like something that's been praised. So like, um, which is like you know I'm not, I get it. Like we had health, uh, you know we we made some restrictions for health reasons, but um, now like I think it's like people get used to that pattern of being like isolated, and that's going to be something we need to work on once. Like I'm still in Canada, man. We still have restrictions, and it, it's it's like starting to. Uh, even for myself, I'm like getting like a little bit loopy with this shit because, uh, mm. yeah, it's just like uh, there's at a, at a point where it's like, come on, like we're like 85 percent vaccinated. Like, wh why do we have restrictions? Like, it, it's starting to get to my head as well. But um, mm. it's true, like this mental health issues with it 
is just crazy and I, I've seen it just in public like watching people like lose their mind just in public and you're just like you know sometimes like we'll make a video of it and post it online and be like oh look at this person losing their mind and it's just like that person's having like a straight up crisis right now like they're it's not like that it's it's something we can laugh at but it's not that funny when you really think about it because this is kind of something like a lot of us are on the verge of where we're just not going to get that a lot of us won't get that uh deep into it and just let go but mm -hmm. uh that's something that's uh underlining for so many of us right now and yeah you're right that's like it's sad to see people like yeah, I, I've, I've had two friends uh, commit suicide in the last couple of years. It was like just uh, so tough, right? Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it must be more common than than I realized. None of my, no one I know, uh, fortunately, has committed suicide. But yeah, um, it seems to be a big problem, um, bigger than COVID, apparently, just by the numbers. Um, yeah, well, like, I got it all. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens i don't want to end that on uh, like such a depressing note but uh, uh one thing i i wanted to talk a little bit about was like uh morality because i know you like to that's like another thing you like to talk about um how about now like uh, looking at modern times and society right now and like uh, like we were saying like there's not much there's there's nothing we're not tied to religion or anything anymore like how do you or what do you think we're like tying morality to right now or, or if we even have like a good oh, yeah. morality yeah i think in the west um our moral like sensibilities have really been handed down to us from i think the christian influence from america from england canada australia i think a lot of what we feel is right and wrong i think it's like it's been inherited we've just kind of got it passed down to us from the past. Um, mm -hmm. So things like um, individual freedoms and loving one another. Um, yeah, uh, respecting people and their individuality and like all of these like values that we hold in the West, I think, originally come from Christianity, I believe. But like you said, we're post Christian now. Mm. So we're, we're going through the motions, we still have these feelings like, yeah, it's wrong to discriminate against people um, based on their race or their gender or whatever, equal rights. Um, but yeah, how long it'll last without <clears throat> being anchored to that Christian worldview is the big question. Like we don't know, right. If it's, if it's going to continue to, um, divert away or evolve away from, from its beginnings. Um, but going back to morality, like it, that also kind of ties into, uh, the sense of meaning so in in my worldview uh morality like people say like the commands of god or the morality is like th these things you do in order to please god right or <clears throat> to get on his good side or make my way to heaven like these are the things i have to do to get to heaven right but in my worldview i'm thinking well if god is love and he loves me and he's got a purpose for me maybe this morality like the rules he's given us is not like they're not arbitrary. The rules he's given us are the means by which I fulfill my purpose. So to the degree that I can keep the moral code, that's how far, that's how I'm gonna make progress toward my purpose. And that's how I'm gonna feel the most meaning. 
So that's been like a, a new idea for me in the past maybe year or so. I'm thinking, uh, well, I, I don't have that many commands. Like as a Christian, we've got like two commands, like love God, love your neighbor, right? So again, like I said before, to the degree that I'm following the moral law, which is basically loving my neighbor to the best of my ability, I will feel a sense of meaning because, and that'll be a signal that I'm progressing toward my purpose, mm-hmm. whatever purpose is that God has for me. So that's how morality ties into, I think, this, the sense of meaning and purpose. I, uh, no, I love that. I, I like, no, that's just the way you said that. I'm like, yep, no, I can understand that. I, I do I do sometimes think like uh, some sort of like belief in a higher, some sort of like higher power kind of thing really helps with that. Um, I wonder, like, I know like uh, a lot of people who are more rational, but like even when they, if they like not in any kind of religious way or any kind of spiritual way, like if they look at it in more of like a, just uh in love with nature and love with the beauty kind of thing about it like i I, th- I think they can get through that too because i do think morality does kind of feed its way through those experiences and through having something higher to kind of like draw you some purpose right yeah and you mentioned something about like our mental health issues being signals that something's gone off something we need to pay attention to um, maybe the sense of guilt like when we don't live up to our own standards our own morality that sense of guilt maybe is a signal that we're not, we're not headed in the right direction. We're off course. Mm-hmm. We got a course correct. So that may be another one of these, uh, yeah, signals that our body is telling us um, you're not living into your purpose. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I think that's probably it for sure. Um, all right, John, this was so much fun. I got one more question. I think you kind of answered it during the podcast many times, but uh, if you want to expand on it or just uh, whatever you want to say, go nuts. But uh, John Lee, God, yay or nay? Definitely yay. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. I was paying attention. I was paying attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, Honestly, I think you went into it quite a bit in this podcast. I really do. Uh, I really do uh, appreciate everything you said. Uh, I don't know anything you want to add uh, as a finishing touch on this. Uh, we did cover a lot of like cool uh, topics. I feel. Oh, just thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoy these conversations. Um, anyway, so uh, I, it was great meeting you. Great talking to you. Hearing your ideas and your experiences. Um, and I hope we can do it again soon. Thanks. Yeah, me. man. And uh, also uh, maybe let my audience know uh, about your app. I think it's mostly for podcasters, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe let them know. Maybe if there's any podcasters listening, uh, they can uh, jump yeah. jump on. Yeah. Sure. If there are any podcasters in your audience, they can find my side project at custommobile.app. That's the URL. And get in touch. If you say you came through North show, then you can get your first month free. So we'll give that offer out to your listeners. Sweet. All right, uh, John, thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Noor. Take care. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NoorKidY on Instagram or check out my website, NoorKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay!
Warning.